One show wasn't enough, so prolific playwright Sam Brooks has two plays premiering this month for Pride. Lads on the Island is loosely based on Shakespeare's The Tempest. It's a story about male friendship between a queer and straight guy. The second show, The Perfect Image, will be his first play in Auckland in five years. The rom-com was shortlisted for the Adam Award in 2022. This week, Sam also announced he was leaving the website The Spin-Off as an arts journalist after seven years and moving into freelance work and Sam joins me now. Kia ora Sam. Kia ora Paulina. Thank you for joining us today. Let's start with Lads on the Island. This is loosely based on Shakespeare's The Tempest which is about a shipwreck and magic and friendship so it's about male friendship between a queer and a straight guy and you've been a bit in your words anti-Shakespeare so mm. why is this now based on a Shakespeare? Oh well like <laughs> It's less anti-Shakespeare and more, like, the position of Shakespeare in this, like, in our, like, education system. Like, I think... I love Shakespeare. I love his text. I love his rhythms. But I think if, like, we were introduced to New Zealand theatre with equal importance to Shakespearean theatre, I think that we would have a much healthier um, educational basis for like drama and theatre in this country because I think that Shakespeare can isolate and it can be really difficult for people to access it if they aren't really familiar with that kind of language and you you really need to kind of be taught how to read Shakespeare and a performer but also yeah and yeah but I I went and I chose this play because I really love The Tempest and I've never put magic into a play before. <laughs> and I've never put music into a play before. And it was a chance to do all three. And also, like, I've always been kind of obsessed with, like, these two characters from um, um, from The Tempest. And I just wanted to kind of make it about them. It's very, very loosely based on The, the Tempest, though. Yeah, like, if you go in expecting that plot or that language, you will be... Um, <laughs> I won't say disappointed, but you will be surprised because it is not The Tempest at all. <laughs> you said there's magic in the show. Mm. What kind of magic? It, like, it's not like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child kind of stuff, but it's like sleight of hand, it's like things showing up from places, it's like smoke and mirrors, it's like, <laughs> f- it's like fun, silly, but also like, it's kind of the... The kind of tricks that your mates might do, like mm, at, mm. At, a, at a party, like when you were all like eighteen, nineteen, yeah. and stuff. Amateur tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but I, impressive. Yeah, but and impressive. I've seen some of these, and they look bloody good. <laughs> and you're reimagining some classic New Zealand songs. Mm. So when you say reimagine, what do you mean by that? Um, so there are four New Zealand songs in the show, and they are covered and performed by the actors, and I don't think I should spoil them, but um, there may be two Lord songs in Ooh. the show, or may not be. Contemporary. There are t- t- two Lord songs in the show. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Um, let's now talk about your other play, The Perfect Image. I and I and I mean this in the nicest way. It's so funny to me because it's so mundane. It's about a stock image company, but with a twist. And so they're trying to. It's a company that are trying to diversify the stock image market by including models of color. But now they've hired this new guy, Ryan. Um, he's white, so that really throws a spanner in the works. But you've also brought him in in a way to diversify the place so that the diverse models can pose with yeah. <laughs> with white models as well and it's not just either or. Yeah. So it's rom-com, the script is pretty pacey, it's you know quick it's quick. Um how did you come up with this idea? Well like <laughs> in my work at the spin-off and you'll know this you sometimes have to illustrate stories using um, stock photos and you end up putting in some quite strange like prompts like I need a w- woman who looks sad or like <laughs> yeah. I need like a w- woman who's hovering over a laptop looking like confused yeah yeah and I also <laughs> like I really like noticed that unless you specified by race <laughs> all of the images are like white people mm. or like um, yeah and I was just like that's so strange and then I thought it would be funny if some company tried to get into the market but only using people of colour but then they were like oh that's maybe a bit too diverse let's put in some white people at at the same time and then I just thought it'd be such a cool way to kind of explore race and also to explore like the politics of like kind of like being like mixed race and and Mm. a passing and kind of like Mm. kind of like what you assume people's race is or or like might be and also just even based on how they look Mm. and and what that means for their personality and the way how their life is even yeah You, you might even assume in some ways oh your life is easier totally because you look a certain way yeah totally yeah yeah it's like and there's like something that's really interesting to plumb and to mine in the kind of in the in a life of someone who is constantly asked like what race are you or like where are you from or like kind of that like weird statement slash question that's like you're something right and it's like I don't know what you're asking me <laughs> like I, I, are you asking about my gender my sexuality my race are you asking me if I'm like cold or, t- or like hot <laughs> like <laughs> something uh, I, I've been asked that or like told that a lot and it's it's a really interesting thing. And I just thought, also, it's funny. And I think that if you can laugh at these issues, you, you can actually start to properly unpack them and open them and start to interrogate what that does to a person who is asked about the specifics of their race if it's not immediately clear. And also, it very rarely is immediately clear. Yeah. It's more just like, you're not white. And that's a range of things. <laughs> This was shortlisted for the Adam in 2022, so that's an award given yearly to new plays, and it's also part of Pride Elevates. Mm. So can you talk about that? Yeah, um, so like a Pride Elevates is the specifically curated part of the Pride program, and there are two um, levels of, uh, well not levels, but the, sorry, there are two separate streams and strands within the Pride Elevates program. So there is the Tuakana strand, and that's for more senior artists, and then there is the Taina strand, and that's 
for more emerging and um, kind of experimental artists. So, like, I'm in the Tuakana and um, program, and 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 basically, like, it means that a pride is giving um, their support and their backing to the arts and to specifically artists who are engaged with queer storytelling and especially queer local storytelling. So, like, really uplifting those stories because there's not otherwise a specific platform. I mean, there's a lot of queer work that happens outside the context of Pride, but to have a specific month and a specific program that exists inside that month is really cool and really important as well. I want to come back to talking about queer storytelling, but firstly, you're also holding a fundraiser for The Perfect Image, Mm. which will be at Lot 23 uh, this month, um, and the and the fundraiser is M, which is the retelling of Jane Austen's Emma, but set in Queenstown, and the main character uh, is Emmett instead of Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I studied Emma in school. I know it intimately. Oh my gosh! So when I saw this, I just sort of went, Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Oh. I know it so well. So it's a it's a reading. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So like I've read this around the country. I have done a reading in Hamilton. I've done a reading in Wellington uh, earlier this year. And it's just a fun time. And, like, I've always loved Emma. I've always loved Emma. I believe it is the perfect novel. And I really wanted to adapt something. And I picked Emma because I was like, I love that Emma is the villain of Emma. I love that Emma... I was going to say she's the main (laughs) character, but she's the worst character at the same time. She is. And I loved that kind of what happens if you turn Emma into a queer man you you kind of introduce all of these interesting elements of like is M and like the, the play is M repressed and what is all of this like matchmaking really achieving and his control over other people's what's relationships it, what's it feeding yeah right? yeah yeah and yeah and yeah, and it's really fun because often Austin fans come along and like they really love how I've changed some bits and I've kept some bits because I basically I've flipped most of the characters to be men except for Jane Fairfax and Miss Bates and like oh, yes. it's and yeah and like if you kind of kind of turn like I mean like it's mostly clear with M and A Nightly like if you turn those into to queer men like it also adds a layer of friendship into that romantic side that's really powerful and fun and also it's like also like what I love about Emma is that you can fall in love with that story, but also it's so deeply silly. It's so low stakes. It, like, <laughs> yes, it's a matchmaking story like, at the end of the day. And I have to also say that most of my plays can, can deal with quite weighty stuff, but but will always have like punchlines. M is just punchline, 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 punchline. <laughs> it's funny you say that about uh, when you do turn those two characters to become queer characters, that there is a friendship. Mm. Because in... In Jane Austen's version, it is a, you know, you do see it as a romance. But the whole point is that Mr. Knightley speaks to her like a friend would. Yes. By telling her off, by pointing out her flaws, by, and that's what friends do. Friends are honest with you. Mm. Um, And it's interesting that in a heterosexual situation that is not as clear Mm. until you flip it or change it. And suddenly it's. Yeah, and I, well, yeah, yeah, it's like, and at least in like my version, kind of, 
how those characters do and don't talk to each other is really reflective of how men can communicate some emotions, usually stuff like anger and stuff. But when it comes to more vulnerable and complex things like love or like hopes and all of that stuff, it can be way trickier. And it's really fun to turn that quite, not heavy, but like quite dense stuff into just a silly comedy because, yeah, it's a very silly play with a lot of funny, silly jokes and a lot of words said intentionally wrong, which I think (laughs) is the funniest thing on the planet. (laughs) All three of these things are happening during Pride Month. Now, when you're writing for a queer audience, what are your main considerations? You know, what are are the challenges or the tropes you avoid? Mm. It's really changed as as I have aged. I mean, I've been like writing plays and very explicitly queer plays for for ten years now. And I think when I started, I was so conscious of speaking for people. And now, just as there are way more stories and more voices, I'm way more concerned about speaking to people because I think. Once you try to start speaking for a community and the queer community is so diverse and there are so many different stories and experiences, I can can really only reflect mine. But I think that through speaking my experience and my my observations on the world, it might unlock something somewhere else. Because I also, I think that the more that um, that we just engage with unfamiliar stories, the more we understand about the world. So, like, with all of, like, these plays, I've been really conscious that I just really want to talk to something that I kind of deeply understand. I understand what it is to be um, a queer male in a friendship with a straight man. I understand what it is to be a passing mixed-race person and not in a stock photo company, but just in in the world. And I also, because I've been told this, I basically am a male version of Emma. So, like, I'm basically just talking to my own experiences and hoping that it uplifts and and unlocks. And, like, also, like, um, I had this show uh, a few years ago called um, Riding in Cars with Mostly Straight Boys. And And I toured that around the country. And when young people saw that they would say things like, I didn't know that we had plays like this here. And and I'm just like, if you just give people more stories, just more, 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 the richer the world is. And I, yeah, so I'm really conscious of speaking just, it's a bit old hat, but speaking my own truth and just so other people can access more of theirs. Lads on the Island is on at Circuit Theatre for the next month. The Perfect Image is on from February the 20th with four shows uh, in Auckland. And before that, it's the Fundraiser M uh, for The Perfect Image. But we've got all those details on our Culture 101 webpage. That was playwright Sam Brooks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.